I've never been one to shy away from controversial topics. I've also grown up in religion long enough to know that when someone seems holier than thou, it usually means that they are overcompensating for some rotten things. I am prepared for some backlash with today's topic, but as always, I believe we deserve to know the truth regarding our past. Now, I ain't no saint myself, but the lady we will learn about today sure is. She helped the poor, fed the dying, and is now prayed to by millions, but her life wasn't all godly. She believed that suffering was necessary and her true mission was one more of conversion than compassion. I want to thank Sue H. from Richmond, UK for the suggestion for today's episode on Instagram. I always love to hear from you all and appreciate the help with all of these rotten people in our history. Well, grab tight to your rosary beads because today we will be peering through the holes of the Holy Mother Teresa. Magic mirror on the wall, who is the most rotten one of all? Hi, hello, and howdy my darlings, and welcome back to our lessons here on Rotten to the Core. It is I, your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters. This is the history podcast about rotten people where we attempt to learn a lesson or two from them that we can use in our daily lives. We have covered some dank, tanky, rotten people in here, and today is no different. She said, There is something beautiful in seeing the poor accept their lot, to suffer it like Christ's passion. The world gains so much from their suffering. Kind of sounds like something a sadistic person would say, huh? Actually, it's the complete opposite. Those were the words of now St. Teresa of Calcutta, who, thanks to propaganda and an numerous amount of white guilt, became the public image of holiness. As we learn from our lesson on Pope Innocent, cleanliness isn't the only thing that's next to godliness. Often, there is something rotten in there as well. You smell that? That's a distinctive smell of bullcrap. So grab your boots, because we are going traipsing through it and learning all about the miracles and sins of St. Teresa. I wanted to start off with a description of her life that I found. It was written for children to teach them all they need to know about the saint. I felt that it was the best way to show the general public opinion about her. She was born in Macedonia to Albanian parents. Her father was a businessman, and the devout family was heavily involved with the Catholic Church. Her father passed away when she was eight, and it was her mother who taught her the value of caring for the sick and poor. She was educated at the nearby convent school and went on a trip to the Church of the Black Madonna in Letnice when she was 12. 
Later, she became a nun traveling to Dublin, Ireland to join the Sisters of Laredo. There, she became known as Sister Mary Teresa. She then headed to India, where she was sent to St. Mary's High School for Girls in Calcutta. There, she taught girls from the city's poorest families. And since she was based in India, she also learned to speak the local languages. When she took her final vows to live a life of poverty, chastity, and obedience, she then became known as Mother Teresa, as was usual with the Laredo Order. She then rose to become the principal of the school in 1944 with the idea to remove poverty from the students' lives through education. Within a few years, however, she answered her heart's desire to directly serve the poor and sick who lived in the city slums. It was difficult for her to receive permission to leave the convent and set out on her mission, but she succeeded after a prolonged lobbying period. She went to the terrible slums of the city armed with a little medical knowledge and great compassion to care for the sick and the poor. She convinced the city to donate an abandoned building, and there she set about creating a home for the city's destitute. She also set up an open-air school under her new congregation, the Missionaries of Charity. Her work expanded visibility, and she became known for it. She established a leper colony, an orphanage, a nursing home, family clinic, and mobile health clinics in the city. Her efforts at providing effective care for the poor and unwanted garnered attention from Pope Paul, who gave her the decree of praise upon the missionaries of charity. In 1979, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for her outstanding efforts to alleviate human suffering. Doesn't all that sound so nice? I felt that the information used to teach children was important. A lot of kids will hear history at face value and not press for more knowledge on the subject. What I just read is also pretty much all I knew about Mother Teresa. I think I was six when she died. It wasn't until more recently that I learned the rest, and I wanted to share it. After all, that's what we do here. First, we'll start with her orphanages. Today, there are more than a dozen of them run by Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity and they have over 350 orphans living in them. Today, they are steadily closing due to India's passing of a single-parent adoption law, which allows single parents to adopt and goes against the missionaries of charity's principles. According to the nuns in charge, what if the single parent who we give our baby to turns out to be gay or lesbian? What security or moral upbringing will these children then get? Our rules only allow married couples to adopt. It is not a religious rule, but a human rule. Children need both parents, male and female. That is only natural. Which does go hand in hand with the true intention of Mother Teresa. Conversion over compassion. There is some evidence that Mother Teresa also ran a sort of child trafficking ring where she would baptize the children coming in and then send them only to respectable Catholic families. Also, don't forget that the orphanages help around 350 orphans, which is great and 
marvelous. Only the charity gets millions of dollars every year and has for decades. If you look up pictures of those orphanages, you'll quickly see that hardly any of that money is being spent on them. And they don't even let prospective parents choose or even meet the children beforehand. The parents are interviewed, and if they pass the nun screening, then a child is selected by the sisters for the couple. There are currently over 50,000 children in orphanages in India, with less than 5,000 of them actually getting adopted. The ones ran by Mother Teresa's charity help 0.7% of India's orphans, even though they by far receive the most in donation. Again, millions of dollars. Oh, and you know all the clinics that Mother Teresa would often be filmed walking through? They're cis pools. One woman even compared what she witnessed in one to images of concentration camp prisoners. She said that all the patients were lying on thin, warlike cots on the floor, and they all have shaved heads. Nurses were reusing needles and rinsing them off in cold water, which was cold because there were no water heaters. When asked about the reuse of dirty needles and why they weren't using sanitized ones, Mother Teresa responded with, There is no point. And even when people would offer to install water heaters or give better supplies, again for free, the sisters at the clinic would tell them no and that this was the way Jesus wanted it. At the time of her death in 1997, she had 517 missions in 100 countries. In them, patients were basically given a cot to die on. They were given no painkillers, even during medical procedures, or even enough food for the body to heal itself. The sisters see these clinics as a place for the sick to be converted before they die. A volunteer at one of them even witnessed untrained people giving medical treatment. Things like paralyzed people being fed by volunteers who didn't know that you have to lift their heads up when they eat. A lot of those patients would often die from choking to death. And other things like watching someone have a toe amputated without any type of painkiller. Again, millions of dollars. Where was it all being spent? I can even recognize that a cot on the floor was better than dying on a dirty street. But can you believe that Mother Teresa and her nuns would forcefully baptize and convert the dying? Mostly against their knowledge and their wills. Teresa believed that their suffering pleased her God and that it was the poor's job to suffer and her job to convert. You'll have to excuse me. I am attempting to keep a calm demeanor while we learn this. You all know that I'm a recovering Baptist, and I am attempting to give this to you in an educative manner and not sound like a bitter old ex-Christian. It just kind of feels like I've been in a relationship with someone and just found out a laundry list of lies that they've been hiding from me. Along with every falsehood comes a wash of anger and... I don't enjoy vibrating to that frequency. I also have an issue with all of the propaganda that was used to fabricate her image. They used all of that footage to show the starving, dying, sick, and orphan to raise all of that money, and it doesn't look like they were really benefiting. 
Meanwhile, the row pockets of the Catholic Church were overflowing with money. Aside from the money to house and feed the charity workers, although most are unpaid volunteers, I think all that money should go to help the needy. Isn't that the entire reason it was donated in the first place? While we're on the subject of money, let's get into where it comes from, where it goes, and who now has control over it. I received advice when I was a senior in high school. If someone offers to give you money, take it. And I followed that advice for several years until I figured out that when you take money from someone, it kind of gives them a little bit of power over you. And the more they give you, the more power they hold. That's what seems to have happened to Teresa. All of those propaganda videos show Teresa rubbing elbows with the richest and most influential people of the world. If you were one of the 1%, oh, you must simply have your photo taken with Mother Teresa. I did it last summer, and that picture helped get me out of that little embezzlement scandal. Worth every penny, and don't forget, those donations are all tax write-offs. Yes. Some of the people were good, like the late Princess Diana. Rest in peace, bless your beautiful heart. But others were horrible dictators. Men like Haitian dictator Jean-Claude Duvier, who was charged with things like crimes against humanity, like torture and genocide, before he was eventually exiled from his own country. Others like neo-fascists in Italy, an Argentinian dictator. And she even obtained millions of dollars in donations from an American man named Charles Keating, who even let her use his private jet. Charles Keating is best known for his role in the savings and loan crisis of the 1980s and 90s, which resulted in the closure of about half of all savings and loan associations here in the U.S., as well as the bankruptcy of the Federal Savings and Loan Insurance Corporation. Mother Teresa even sent the judge a letter on Charles's character and morality during his trial. Part of it said, I do not know anything about Mr. Charles Keating's work, or his business, or the matters you are dealing with. I only know that he has always been kind and generous to God's poor and always ready to help whenever there was a need. It is for this reason that I do not want to forget him now while he and his family are suffering. I mean, that didn't work, but see what I mean about it being a useful tool for these powerful people to rub elbows and donate to the Catholic Church's cultivated image of Mother Teresa. I will say that it appears that all of this did weigh heavily on Teresa. After her death, it was revealed from her private diaries that she oftentimes felt like a fraud, and that she was depressed for mostly the last 50 years of her life, and would sometimes even feel abandoned by her own God, which is something I think a lot of us can relate to. I believe Jim Carrey said, depression is your mind telling you that it's tired of being the character you're trying to play. It's possible that Mother Teresa sold herself out to the Catholic Church, and that decision could have been weighing heavily on her. I mean, what more could a simple nun who herself was born into poverty wish for? 
It was a chance to be immortalized and remembered for the rest of time. Who among us wouldn't jump at the opportunity to be immortalized? Sainthood comes with some rules, though, and they sure don't make it easy to become one. You even have chores to do after you die in order to be saintly. Things like not only performing one miracle, but they actually prefer if you can do two or more. The miracles believed to have been performed by the late Mother Teresa are in 1998, one year after her death. An Indian woman with a stomach tumor claims that she went to a church on the one-year anniversary of Mother Teresa's death, and when she knelt to pray, a beam of light came from the picture of Teresa and cured her of her tumor. It was later found out by that woman's doctor that she had been treated for the tumor, and that's why it was healed. Her second miracle was recognized in 2015 by Pope Francis. This healing happened in 2008, and it was a 42-year-old Brazilian man who had a number of brain tumors that all healed only moments before he was to undergo surgery. And that healing cleared the way for her to become St. Teresa, which happened on September the 4th, 2016. Throughout her life, Mother Teresa collected millions of dollars in donations to help run her vast number of charities. And it's been discovered that only 7% of that money went to help the poor. What happened with the rest is anyone's guess. After her death, she herself had millions of dollars in the bank, but all control of it fell to the Vatican. The sister who succeeded Mother Teresa at Missions of Charity said that the donations were still countless, and there was only one person with the actual numbers. God knows. He is our banker. Which I think is one of the most corrupt things wrapped up in a holy blanket that I've ever heard of. And I grew up Baptist. My goal with this lesson isn't to make light of what good Mother Teresa did do. I mean... She took a freaking vow of celibacy and devoted her life to helping the poor. Yes, it's been revealed that there was a lot of rotten things that she did and didn't do to help people, but I think that it's also incredibly telling that she wrote in her journals about the bad things that she did and the depression that she felt for decades because of it. We must remember that she was only human and I believe she went into her life's work with the best intentions. She might be a saint now, but from the evidence, there was definitely something a little rotten about St. Teresa, patron saint of World Youth Day. Ooh, that was a tough one. I hope I didn't come off as attacking Teresa. I only wanted to teach that even the holiest of humanity can be rotten too. I learned that we all need to help everyone we have the power to, and only for the purpose of helping them. Not to gain popularity or try to convert them to our beliefs. We should also do it in a way that promotes dignity. Stop filming yourself helping those less fortunate. Would you want to be filmed while you're at your lowest and made to feel that if you don't allow it, you won't be helped? Of course not. 
I think that Mother Teresa's heart was in the right place, only the way she went about helping turned out to be wrong. The weight of the world's largest problems should never have been placed on the shoulders of just one elderly nun. I think the best way to solve it would be to share the weight of it on all of our shoulders. As the holiday season approaches closer and after, help everyone you have the power to, without judgment, without stipulations, and with an open heart. While it's no secret that I believe that we learn better lessons from the rotten things of life, if all someone has ever known has been rotten, then there's no chance for them to stop and learn from it. We all can't change the world, but if everyone can help change the world for one person, isn't that close enough? I thank you for joining me for today's lesson. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a little something too. I do apologize. We are deep into fall seasonal allergies and mama's nose is a little stuffy. I appreciate and thank each and every one of you for supporting Rotten to the Core. And until next week, be happy, find peace, and don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. I also have a TikTok now at Rotten in History. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., that I do with my big brother, Shane. We have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we will be interacting and having a plethora of extra fun with some foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things all a-brewing. Join us there, and have a great week ahead, everyone. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.